If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hosea chapter 8, and while you're turning there, I want to remind everyone, if you uh, ordered a shirt, if you gave my wife or me a short shirt size, uh, the uh, Central Baptist Church shirt, says Central Baptist Maybank, the church in Maybank, Texas, and on the back, going to heaven, knowimsaved.com forward slash gospel. So if you order one of those, they are here. They do not cost any money to you. So uh, just come, and there's large and extra large. That's all we've got because that's the sizes the uh, people gave us. And uh, I ordered uh, one or two extra because there's always that one person that says, you know, I didn't order, but, but I want to now. And I'm like... No, I'm done with all that, so I don't want to go through that again. So, uh, so anyway, I ordered a couple extra if you're one of those or you happen not to be here. So uh, let everyone get theirs, and, um, and if you didn't, uh, and we have some left over after church today, please feel free to pick them up and wear them. We call them witness wear. So um, Hosea chapter 8, verse 3 through 4, God willing, will be expounding this morning. Hosea 8, verse 3 through 4. And I want to start off with a praise this morning before I get into the message. And uh, Miss Bonnie back there. Y'all look over at Miss Bonnie. Raise your hand, Miss Bonnie. I'm going to embarrass you. Raise your hand. There she is. Miss Bonnie's about to turn 85 years old. She's been working her whole life. Do y- did y'all know that Miss Bonnie drives back and forth to the Metroplex every day? Well, except for her days off to work at Hobby Lobby at 84 years of age, and she's retiring Saturday, this coming Saturday. So I just thank God for all the years of protecting her travel back and forth and taking care of her and letting her body be able to work and provide. What a blessing that is. And every Sunday morning, just as faithful as she goes to Hobby Lobby, I watch her walk down here and put her little tithe check in there. And I say little, it may be big, but you know what I mean. But the, the check, I, I watch her put the, the tithe check in there. And, and uh, just the faithfulness uh, impressed upon me to give God thanks for that. The title of the message this morning is The Enemy's Pursuit. The Enemy's Pursuit. In verse 2 last week, God said when, when He judged Israel for her sins, that Israel would say, My God, we know you. Or you know me. Don't hurt me. Likewise, Jesus said in the New Testament that people on the day of judgment would expect to enter into God's kingdom, telling Jesus, we have eaten and drunk in your presence, and you have taught in our streets. But they will be denied entrance because they never trust in Jesus as their Savior. They say, well... well, You ate and drank in our presence. You taught in our streets. We were there when you did all that. And thus we learn that being in close proximity to Jesus is not the same as believing and following Him. Just because you live in a trailer park doesn't make you a travel trailer. And just because you attend church doesn't make you a Christian. Judas Iscariot was the church treasurer. But he never believed in Jesus as his Savior And he sold them out for 30 pieces of silver. In the same way, just because Israel was close to God's temple didn't mean they were God's people. For God said, look in your text this morning, Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. 
Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word, and I pray, dear Lord God, that you'll have all eyes be attentive to you this morning as we listen to your message to your people today. Glorify your great name and teach your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Hebrew word translated good, it says they've cast off that which is good. The Hebrew word translated good here, Brother Doug, is tobe. Remember that word? Tobe. It's the word that we were first introduced to back in the book of Genesis when God saw everything that he had made and behold it was tobe. It was good. And so we understand, you see, God created everything, how he created everything by his word. And then everything that came about as a result of his word was good. Goodness, therefore, it's not something that we happen to like or something that we happen to approve of. Goodness is what God ordained for his creation. It comes from the word of God. God said Israel had cast off the thing that is good. They had when it says cast off, it means cast off, it means they had pushed it aside. They had rejected, they had forsaken what our wise and sovereign God had ordained for them. His unfailing love, the eternal promises that He made them, the righteous law He had given them, and the course of blessing that He had laid out for them in His covenant. They just pushed it away and said, No thanks. Except they didn't say thanks. They rejected the grace of God. They pushed Him aside and forsook the life that He offered. Just like Adam, as Adam cast off the tree of life, so they had cast off the covenant of life that God made with their father Abraham. And because of this, God said, if you look now in your text, the enemy shall pursue him. The enemy shall shall pursue him. Now I want you to notice that God didn't say Israel has cast off the thing that is good so now they will have an enemy. No. He said the enemy shall pursue him because they'd cast off that which was good. You see the enemy was already there. The enemy was already there for them and the enemy is already here for you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You need to understand this morning, as a child of God, you need to understand this morning, as a creation of God, as a created being of God, your adversary is present, your adversary is powerful, and your adversary wants to devour you, wants to eat you up and destroy you. Our enemy, the devil, was the original creature who had cast off the thing that was good. He cast off from him what God had ordained for his life, and having destroyed his own life, he now seeks to destroy ours. He is the enemy, and everyone who joins with that enemy becomes our enemies. God said this would happen from the very beginning. He, he told Satan in the book of Genesis, he said, I will put enmity, that means I'll make enemies between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. In other words, you're the enemy, and everyone who joins with you, your seed, they're the enemies too. 
It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So well, why would God put enmity between us? Why would God make enemies between us and the devil? I'd rather not have any enemies. Putting enmity between us and the devil was the most gracious thing God could do. You see, Adam, through his sin, he put enmity between us and God. And now God, through the gospel, would make friends between God and man and put enmity between us and the devil and those who follow him. So casting off the thing that was good doesn't create our enemy. It merely empowers it. You see? Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. When you cast off God's will for your life, your present enemy becomes your pursuing enemy. When you cast off God's will for your life, your present enemy will become your pursuing enemy. The enemy shall pursue him. Here's another kingdom truth for you this morning. We are either pursuing our enemy or we are being pursued by our enemy. We are either pursuing our enemy or we are being pursued by our enemy. Israel should have been the one pursuing the enemy. That's what's so important about this text. Before Israel ever came to the promised land, listen to what God told them. Listen to what God promised them in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 6 through 7. God told them, I will give peace in the land, that is the land they come to, Jerusalem, and you shall lie down. And none shall make you afraid, and I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Israel was supposed to be the ones chasing their enemies. But because they cast God off from them, they cast God's word off from them, now their enemies are going to be pursuing them. They were born with an enemy, Satan, sin, death. And now, instead of pursuing their enemies, they would be pursued by them. Listen carefully again to what God said in the text we just read. God said, I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down. Did you catch that? I will give peace, you shall lie down. God's job is to give us peace. Peace comes from God. Our job is to lie down and rest in the peace He provides. That's how it happens with the cross, isn't it, Brother Doug? The Bible says He's made peace through the blood of Jesus' cross. God gives the peace. What do we do? We go up to the cross. We just go lay down and rest in it. Rest in the peace that God's accomplished for you. I will give you peace. You will lie down. So God is the one who gives peace. We are the ones who lie down in it. So if you cast off God, then you've cast off your peace and rest. That's why nations can be at peace and rest if they're following God. That's why Israel, when they were following God, they were at peace and rest. But when they cast their God off, they cast off their peace and rest. Then there was turmoil. The thing that is good is the only thing standing between us and our enemy. It's the only thing standing in the way. You got your enemy, you got you, and the thing that is good, that is God's ordained will for your life, through Jesus, 
You cast that off, and there's nothing standing between you and the enemy any longer. The devil uses the power of sin and death to destroy the people God created. That's his leverage on us. If we follow God's word through faith in Christ, we'll pursue these enemies and we'll be victorious in Jesus. But if we cast off the goodwill that God has for us in Christ, then we'll be pursued by these enemies and ultimately we'll be defeated by them. And sadly, Israel had cast off God's word. God said, look in, your, in verse 4, they have set up kings, but not by me. They have set up kings, but not by me. Now, what, what, what do you set a king up for? Do people just wake up one day and say, well, ah, they yawn, they stretch, and they go, you know what? I think I want someone to rule over me. I think I want someone to be telling me what to do. That's not what people do, is it? Why do we set up kings? Why do we set up rulers? Why do we set up governments? Why do we do that? We do it for one reason. To defend against the enemies of the land. That's the only reason we do it. Hey, listen, if you had no enemies, I mean, if you knew there would be no hardships in your land, none, no enemy would come attack you, no thief would come steal your stuff, Nobody would assault you. Everybody would behave themselves. How many of y'all would want a government? Nope. Me either. How many of y'all want a police department? Nope. The reason we have these things is to protect us from the enemies of the land. Whether it's uh, 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 disease. Whether it's food shortage. Whether it's economic hardships, or whether it's wars. Israel set up kings to defend themselves against their enemies, but not by God, he said. Not by, they didn't want to be defended by the Word of God. They didn't want to be defended by the power of God. Not by the good thing that He had ordained for them. They wanted to defend themselves by themselves. So they set up kings outside of God's will without any care for what God wanted whatsoever, hoping that they could be delivered from the consequences of their sins. Let me tell you something. Kings can't save you from sin. Kings can't save you from Satan. Kings can't save you from death. The only way a king can do that is they're pointing you to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. God said, if you'll look back in your text, they have made princes, or they've made themselves rulers, and I knew it not. They didn't include me on it. That's what he's saying. Of course, he knew. He knows everything. But speaking as a man, he's saying, I didn't know anything about that. They didn't do that with, 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 uh, with any consultation with me. They couldn't do that because they cast God off from them. You know, when politicians run for office... Do you know what they say they'll do? They're going to defend you from all of your enemies. They're going to deliver you from all of your enemies. That's what they do. They're going to save you from your enemies. They're going to save us from COVID. They're going to save us from climate change. Right? That's what they do. They're going to save us from poverty. Best of all, they're going to save us from all those Christians out there who are speaking out against our sinful ways. We've got to save you from that too. 
But that's, that's what they run on. You've got things that are, that are bothering you, and I'm going to step up and deliver you from that problem if you'll put me in power. But while their princes are saving them from these so-called enemies, their real enemies are pursuing and destroying them. When the end of this world comes, here's what God's going to do. Right now, the world is choosing its leaders based on their carnal felt needs. Does that make sense? I want me a free cell phone. I want me a food program for my kids at lunch because I don't want to have to feed them. I want to be delivered from COVID. I want this. I want that. I want health insurance. I want all these carnal things. And it's up to you to provide them to me. That's what a lot of people want. So they choose leaders who can deliver them from their felt needs and solve those needs for them. Yesterday, I preached uh, Jess's mother's funeral. I tell you what, God's really done a work in Jess's life, too, over the past few years. I'm so proud of him. But I, I preached his mother's funeral. Can I share something with you real quick? Jess had someone come up to him at the funeral and said, I never heard anyone preach a funeral like that before. And Jess said, well, then they, the, peop- the funerals you went to, the preachers probably weren't doing it right. That's <laughs> what he told him. But here's the thing. When when I was standing in front of that casket, the mayor of Maybank wasn't down there trying to solve his mother's problem. All the doctors were still at the hospital. None of them were down there trying to get her out of that casket. None of our state senators, our U.S. senators, our president... No one in any of the three branches of of governmental office, none of them, offered any help at all. Why? They could provide no help. Not a single politician ever runs on the promise of raising the dead. And would we all agree that you would give up everything you had if you could get your loved ones back right now? You see? So the most pressing needs... The politicians, the leaders that we put in charge cannot meet. They can only sustain us and pamper us a little while until ultimately we succumb to the real enemies. So what God's going to do, He is going to set up a king one day Himself. And it won't be through a national election. God's going to set him up sovereignly because the world belongs to him. It's his rightful throne. He's going to put Jesus on the throne and Jesus is going to be king of kings and lord of lords. He'll be king over the entire world, over the entire creation, over heaven and earth. And when he is king, do you know what he's going to do? that good thing will now be reigning on the throne. And when God is on the throne through His Son Jesus, He's going to hunt down every last enemy of man and put it down. 
The Bible puts it this way. God hath put all things under his feet. Y'all ever seen someone, uh, like those old movies, they would slay the soldier, they'd slay the warrior in battle, then they would take their foot, stick up there on their dead body, and do their hands like this? That's what it means. God's put everything under his feet. That time is coming. God says, you've set up kings, but not by me. I'm the only one who can solve you from the real problems. The enemy's going to hunt you down. The enemy's going to pursue you. When Jesus reigns, our genuine enemies will once for all be genuinely defeated. Write this down to your notes, your margin, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 through 26. They set up kings, but not by me. Now look here in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, 26, talking about Jesus. For he, that is Jesus, must reign. He's got to be set up as king. Till he hath put all enemies under his feet. When Jesus comes back, when Jesus sits on the throne, we're we're going to be a world that no longer runs from the enemy, we're now in Jesus going to be pursuing the enemy and conquering the enemy. He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Say it with me. Death. Death. The real enemy of man. Jesus is going to pursue, hunt down, and put under his feet through his death and resurrection. Oh, I look forward to that day. God said, look back in your text here in the book of Hosea, of their silver and their gold have they made them idols. Now, silver and gold are some of the most precious earthly possessions that a person can have. Silver and gold are the the rare valuables that come up from the ground. Instead of embracing the God who made Israel, Israel decided to embrace the gods they made themselves. And they made them out of silver and gold. I want you to understand, God formed men from the ground. And then because of sin, men started dying and returning to the ground. And now, those dying men are forming gods from that same ground. How foolish that is. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. If you put your trust in anything made from this failing world, then you will have a failing God. If you put your trust in anything made from this failing world, then you will have a failing God. Their rejection of God brought doom upon them. God said, they made these idols, look back in your text, that they may be cut off. Meaning the end result of these idols would be the destruction of their nation. Now I want you to notice the words, cast off, earlier, they cast off the thing that is good. And now notice the words cut off. You see the similarities? Israel cast off God And now they were cut off 
You see? Israel cast off God and that cut off them. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. A society that rejects its source of life becomes its cause of death. A society that rejects its source of life becomes its cause of death. That's why atheism is so, so horrible to a society. Look back in your text, Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. What was the calf? That was the idol of silver and gold that Israel made. I'm sure they made more idols than that, but that represents the idolatry, the, 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 the earthly things of silver and gold that they made their gods out of. The calf was the earthly god they formed with their own hands. And now Israel was getting a taste of their own medicine. In the earlier part of the passage, they cut off God. And now, the God they make has, uh, sorry, in the earlier part of the passage, they cast off God, and now here the God they make has cast off them. They've got to taste their own medicine. God made Israel. Then Israel cast off God. Now Israel makes a calf, and the calf cuts off them. False gods can never be more faithful than the unfaithful people who made them. False gods can never be more faithful than the unfaithful people who made them. When, when trouble comes to us, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. But when trouble comes to idolaters, the idols they made will leave them high and dry. God said, look back in your text, Mine anger is kindled against them. God wasn't going to protect them. He was going to let them get a good dose of reality when it came to those false gods. He was going to, to, to put uh, the idols they made to the test. He's going to let Israel see that the works of their own hands couldn't save them from their enemies. And in the same way, the works of our hands can't save us from ours. That's the world's problem. That's America's problem. That's all the, the godless nation's problem. There's nothing we can do to deliver ourselves from sin, Satan, and death. The works of their hands couldn't save them from the enemies. The works of our hands can't save them from the enemies. I thank God the work of God and Jesus Christ can. God asks, look back in the text, how long will it be ere they attain to innocency? How long will it be? Till they attain to innocency, how long will people persist in the treachery and madness of denying their God before they finally return to Him? How long will this world persist in, in the foolishness of a uh, notion of that, that this marvelous creation that we have made itself out of nothing, that everything made itself out of nothing? How long will they reject the truth of God before they return to Him? From this fallen world, and this is a fallen world. I taught in Sunday school this morning, this world is failing. 
This world is breaking. The sun's running out of energy. Again, as all scientists will tell you, this world is failing. And from this failing, fallen world, people are making themselves gods out of science, gods out of wealth, gods out of uh, their own stubborn rebellion and pride, gods out of their own self-indulgence. Everything, when you deny God and you put yourself, you're left to put yourself in the creation when you deny the Creator. You're left to put your trust in the creation. And when you put your trust in a failing creation, you have a failing God. That means when the time comes for you to get on your deathbed, when the time comes for you to face the reality of the enemy that's pursuing you, your God is going to fail. When you cast off God, you're making gods out of the world around you. A world that is in constant turmoil. That's the substance of your God. God says, by the way, I was reading an article yesterday. Talking about the difference between Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens, that's us. And Neanderthals. They say that's the human relative that existed long ago that's now extinct. They weren't humans. They were, they were Neanderthals. But they were a close animal-like relative of ours. And now they're gone. And so they began talking about the question. Could the Neanderthal people speak? Did they have the ability to speak? And they began talking about that. And they said... They said, there's been much debate on this topic. But recent research gives us the notion that they could at least make some sounds and stuff like that. I'm like, what stupid, foolish speculation this is. How crazy. And these are the people we've been called upon to trust. We used to think this, but now we're beginning to think this. You know what? I thank God. There's a lot of people that say, I used to believe in that, but thank God I now believe in this. You know? <laughs> thank God. God says, how long will it be until they quit being unbelievers? How long will it be until they quit casting me off? How long will it be until finally the world embraces the truth of its God and His Son who alone can deliver them? From their enemies. How long will it be? I'll tell you. It will be until God says it's enough. And one day the time of the guilt of this world is going to run out like sands out of an hourglass. And when that time comes, the king is finally going to be on its way. And God is going to set him down on his throne and he shall reign forever and forever. Our enemies will be judged, condemned, and once for all put away. And we shall live and reign in the power of his eternal glory and grace. The failing world will never fail again. 
He'll make it all new through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our hope as Christians. That's what we're looking forward to as believers in Jesus Christ. Without faith in Christ, you have no hope. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you that this hope, dear Lord God, is available to all who will have it. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Because he will give us peace. To the cross where he made peace. I pray if there's anyone here, Father, who is still an enemy of God, who still doesn't know you and still has not accepted you and been made right with you through your son Jesus, I pray for them this morning that they will repent and accept Christ as their Savior. They'll change their mind and accept Christ as their Savior. And for all of those who have, I pray that this will be a great word of encouragement to them today. That yes, the world is in turmoil now. Yes, the enemy pursues. But thank God, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, our enemies are under His feet. His name we pray. Amen.